You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm very pleased to be bringing you this interview with Nick Cody, uh, an awesome pumping powerhouse of a comedian. He's a really terrific live act. If you're going to be up at the Edinburgh Festival, you should get in and see his new show. I saw it in Melbourne and that's where we caught up for this conversation. I just called him an awesome pumping powerhouse of a comedian. With anyone else, that would seem too much. But uh, you will see that uh, Nick is one of those guys. Big, big beard, big guy, big personality, very, very warm, very, very funny. This is Nick Cody. Where shall we start? How was your show last night? I saw you two or three nights ago, or maybe even end of last week. Yeah, end of last week. So Monday, I didn't have a show. We're recording this on a Tuesday. No Monday night show. Okay. I have the Mondays off here. Um, Everyone does. Lazy. Me included, and well, it's great. <laughs> if I'm at home, it's a nice thing, but anywhere else in the world, I'll work all the nights. Except yeah. Edinburgh, I think that middle Monday. Middle Monday? Yeah, that I do middle Monday. Wednesday. You do oh, I well, take no, middle it, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah because everyone smart. does middle Monday, so then the clever kids do Tuesday, so I do oh, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I take off Friday and Saturday. Yeah, no one's coming out week. then. <laughs> cool. So, uh, you, so you're, because you live in Melbourne, so yeah. the Monday night is... Yeah, it's good not for you off. because you yeah. live sort of not too far away from here. Yeah, pretty close by. You've cycled over here. Yeah. And for the benefit of the listener who hasn't necessarily seen you, mm-hmm. um, they can probably tell. I'm just wondering whether it's apparent from the sound of your voice that you are a kind of beardy, sporting, <laughs> cycle short, like unashamed cycle short kind of guy. Like you're- uh, They're not tight. They're not tight cycle shorts. No, they're not. Okay, but they're going are- to the gym after. They are gym shorts, definitely. Yeah, okay. So that, simply that phrase, <laughs> bright going orange. to the gym after, that says a lot about what we need to know about Nick Cody, right? Of all the comedians who go to the gym, very small number. Yeah. Um, I think you're in a much smaller camp of comedians who go to the gym and enjoy it. I mean, you sent me a text like in the first week of being here, like, I can hook you up in the gym if you want. I was like, yeah. why would I want that? <laughs> well, I have to, uh, especially during festivals, because I'll, I'll get unfit 
a bunch of times every year and then crawl back towards fitness and then it'll dip off again. So I feel in these month-long festivals, it's I look at my fitness, it's like a helicopter that's lost the rotor blade. We're going down, <laughs> but the degree of how bad it ends up, that well, varies. Well, but I'm definitely going to be unfitter at the end of a festival than at the start. Yes. But then that... You are. I don't think I've ever. Wildly. I've ever said. I don't think I've ever used this expression before. But I'm struggling to find an alternative. You're kind of a man's man, right? But no, only in entertainment. <laughs> this <laughs> like, is the Luke Heggie syndrome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, but Luke Heggie is an actual manly man. Like he can fix stuff, and he's a, he was a builder, and yeah. he's worked in all these incredible jobs. He's got all these talents. He used to be able to fix boats, and I can't do any of that. I can't drive. I can't fix things. I, but it's just. To be an alpha in the entertainment industry is very... It's like, if you've watched sports once, who's <laughs> this bloke? True. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's uh, not are a, you into comics? No. Um, Whoa, who is this alpha guy? I just re- the T-shirt I'm wearing, a T-shirt, the Grado, which is the bar at the uh, SAS base in Perth. And when I, when I catch up with those guys, like I've, I've done a bunch of gigs for troops overseas, and yeah. I catch up with them, and I'm like the smallest little petite... Yes. Guy around them. You but know? you're the only comic I know who has worn the uh, T-shirt of an yeah, SAS good- bar. <laughs> like, that, oh, this, is just, this is my working out clothes. <laughs> Fine. Okay. So we get a sense of this. Now, this brings us neatly to your show that I saw a couple, few yeah. nights ago. And one of the elements of it I loved is that you... I mean, I'm interested in what it feels like to you. Do you feel like there's a line by which you need to not be too... Laddie isn't the right word, but blokey. Blokey, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. Like you're, you're definitely the victim of your stories. Yeah. Because in a way that Luke Heggie, for example, isn't. And there's no, I don't know how useful a metric that is. Luke doesn't go to the Edinburgh Festival, no matter how many times yeah. I fucking try and convince him to go back. Um, but He should too. He should, I think I've seen his show seven times. Yeah, yeah. I love someone, it. Someone told me they saw you in his audience and you were just speaking along with all the jokes. Oh, yeah, I could sing along. Like yeah. I love it. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just reel off Luke Heggie lines and my wife is like, and that, you're not out of bed yet. Yeah. And I'm just <laughs> but something like he isn't the victim of his stories. Yeah. He's not the victim. He's very deliberately sniping at... Yeah. Uh, things and people that he hates Mm -hmm. whereas what you have is an incredible kind of warmth on stage Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to kind of talk about that like I I wonder I'm really interested in the decisions you've made about your stand-up because you're so natural that either you've made a couple of really good decisions early on or no decisions ever (laughs) do you know what I mean and it's just you I think it's more uh, the decisions I have made I've realised I shouldn't try and make points. Like I'd love, there's some comics like Tom Ballard, who I just absolutely love, who can make these beautiful political points and in ways that things that I agree with, some things I don't agree with, but it's so funny and they're these great points. I'm not that person. If I try to make a point, it would sound like I'm reading something that I've already typed on a computer. Okay. But with stories and things, it does come out a lot more naturally. Not That's not to say uh, I'm not listening back when I'm building a show to the stories and trying to find out how I can get as many jokes in the story as possible. Um, but I, I definitely enjoy that that side more. And have you tried, when you say you've learned that, is that because you've tried to make yeah, the point? Yeah, for sure, try to make points. And it just, uh, it's can just not Can you give us a specific me. example? Oh, I wish I could. It'd be too, it'd have to be years ago that I've even attempted. 
I just don't bother talking about politics or anything like that because I just don't – it's not something that I read up on every day, so I'm not going to be on top of things. I'll read the news every day but not, you know, political opinion stuff every single day. So I just try and steer clear of that. I just think whatever I'm doing, it seems to be working, so I'm just trying to figure out how to make this better. That is, that's a really interesting thing. I wonder how many people will relate to that. Whatever I'm doing – seems to be working <laughs> yeah it's odd isn't it because you like what do you think it is that you're doing that's working i don't know well the thing that i get in every review ever it sounds like he's a best friend you haven't met or yeah. he's a mate that you just could catch up with at the pub and i used to hate that so much i used to hate it that it sounds because... really like you're being down with fame praise doesn't it like yeah, it's it's annoying because there's no mate at the pub that's thinking callbacks and changing a word here and a little inflection here and putting bits in a certain order to make sure, 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 sure. the crowd know enough about me so when I bring this up, they're going to be cool about that. And Like I build the show in a – I want it to be funny first, but I've also got to make sure, you know, if I've got beheading jokes, not off the top. <laughs> Probably poor choice. <laughs> 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 I'm not. I'm not uh, there's certain bits that I won't do at the start of the show. I build it so I can bring people in, and they realise, yep, okay, we trust him. Now I can talk about sure. So you, stuff. so you mean it, it's kind of frustrating when people say he's like your best mate. You feel like no, there's a lot of work goes into this. Yeah, but I understand that it does look. Like I am just standing there, very re- looking very relaxed on stage, but I'm. And I am. Like, when I'm at the best shows I have, I'm very, very relaxed. But, of course, there's months leading up to just fine-tuning tiny little bits and making sure it all clicks together well. But the, the relaxation element of it, and you've got a line in, in the show that I saw about you're talking about your wedding and the speeches at your wedding. Yeah. And you're talking about most people are sort of afraid of public speaking and you're like yeah. this is my number one skill yeah and you just i've never seen anyone ooze so much confidence it's like oh. be giving a seminar <laughs> Do you know what I mean? it's just like obviously i am the most comfortable man in the room he said to 300 people in a packed room like that you know it, there is something incredibly charming about that level of ease on stage but it's only it's only when i'm doing my stand-up stuff it, hosting i can't i don't like hosting things i'm not really? very comfortable yeah making a speech i'm I don't feel as comfortable making speeches, but with stand-up stuff, I'm very relaxed. I'm in control of everything that's happening, and you know, unless somebody yells something out. Would you but, say you're more relaxed on stage in front of 300 people doing your hour than you are now talking about it to me? Um, oh, more relaxed in the way that I know what's coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I yeah, know yeah. what to expect. But uh, no, this is great. I love I love doing interviews and things. I mean, more. I don't like being the master of ceremonies for any sort of event. Okay. Like I've had friends ask me to host their weddings and things, and to me that is way too much pressure. Way too much pressure because it's because their why? big day, and I I don't I don't want that on me. You know, but, but you must know. I mean, the reason they've asked is because you'd be incredibly good at it. You'd be really confident. Um, that surprises me. Yeah. Is why no, I, I don't. The pressure of that is just too much. That's Have you ever done a stand-up at a wedding as a gift? No. I no. did once. I'd oh, really? No. Yeah. no. Why would you? I'd never do it again. Everyone's <laughs> not your day. Everyone looking at me goes, why is he talking <laughs> about himself? Stand-up's the opposite. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. my favorite thing about stand-up. From the minute people walk in the room to my tour shows, I've picked everything. I've picked the lights. I've set up the lights in the way that I want them set. I've got a gobo, a big projection I on the thing. I noticed that. That's so funny. You've got a gobo of your own face. Yeah, with a crown on. Me and Asher were watching your show together, and at the end we looked at that, and Asher turned to me and went, he's got a gobo. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't 
all the... a gobo for those that don't know is a, a kind of a metal stencil that goes in front of a big parkan light yeah such that it projects I mean, usually the name of a nightclub in the 80s, but on this occasion, the face of the comedian. Yeah, with a crown on top. The show's called On Fire. It's me on a, on a throne as the poster. Um, but all the music is handpicked and the pre-show music, I've all handpicked all that and put it in an order that I know I think is going to build a vibe in the room that I want to walk out to. That's interesting. Okay. So the, the vibe of the... Oh, so you mean because uh, it's all over the top, r- ridiculous rap music? It's like yeah. Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Drake, yeah. building up this big thing where beats drop and lights are sweat. And so I enjoy that. So when I come out, it's just like, "Hey guys, how are we?" You know, it's just very different. It's a juxtaposition from the thing. I don't know. For me, that would be a juxtaposition. If I walked out like a small man going, hello, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, I can see that kind of juxtaposition. But you seem to suit that kind of bombast. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that stuff. I do. I love, uh, I've always, growing up, I loved, um, I love wrestling, like WCW, WWF wrestling. I loved entrances and big. Oh man, ridiculous. I I, I was never super into it, but every time anyone mentions WCW or that, that kind of stuff i just remember uh, like seeing like a vhs cassette of a huge royal rumble or i'm maybe yeah. getting the term yeah, yeah. wrong where it's like there's this whole thing about like the, the what's he called ultimate warrior yeah yeah, yeah well, ultimate warrior, warrior couldn't be there because he's recovering <laughs> from an injury and then you get, you get the drama of it. it's fantastic yeah. and then you know you get like two-thirds of the way through the match the good guys are getting pounded the music plays everyone just I just remember as a kid watching this thing of, of someone the commentator looking very believably surprised and going it's the warrior music and this guy running in and stuff like that that's really funny I loved it when I was a kid I'd just watch tapes time and time again it's incredible the trash talk like the it? Ric Flair trash talk and the yeah. trash talking opponents and I just find that stuff so funny because it doesn't fit in with stand-up like I, I understand I've got a lot of self-deprecating stuff but the last few years I've just sort of made an effort to call my give my shows very alpha titles like come get some yep. on fire beard game strong because so many shows are guys to, guys or girls just like how do I adult yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I find absolutely. it much funnier because I know in the shows there's going to be a lot about me fucking things up Yes. Having the com- full confidence going in, like, I, I think I can do this, then I make a mistake, and then the, the, yes. I get the bits out of me just living in this loop where it's like in the show I talk about, I've never skied before. I was in Austria, and they offered me ski lessons, and I said, why would I need skiing lessons? I was very good at footy 15 years ago, <laughs> right? I'll be fine. I've got this, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that happens so much in my life where I think, yeah, I think I can do this. It's a disaster. That is interesting. I remember, I think that's when you first came to my attention was sort of seeing posters of yours in Edinburgh and yeah, beard game strong. It's super, again, it's kind of warm and big and frequently ginger. Yeah. And you know, it's- that's the only thing I designed that poster. Yeah. Uh, to, so it was sort of black and white. It's modern, image. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Or not quite black and white, but the beard is red. Yeah. And and those, um, yeah, that kind of... Uh, it's interesting, that, that decision to kind of go alpha. And it's interesting to sort of hear that word again, which is, yeah, so many... I remember Tom Gleason saying this years ago on, on the podcast where he was... He, he sort of made... He deliberately wanted to go in a different direction. You know, you see everyone's doing this at the moment, so you yeah. do something else. I mean, I guess you're one of those people... Here's a question... 
Given that you are an alpha and you're pretty, I mean, you know, like you say, within comedy. Was it, yeah, within the context of an entertainment industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, probably. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, it is ridiculous to describe someone as an alpha. Given yeah. that you're an alpha and I'm currently kneeling and I didn't intend to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think sometimes when I am on stage, this is something someone who's very interested in comedy, very good at comedy, yeah. once said to me and I went, oh God, yeah, that's interesting. He said, when, they, when he looks at me on stage... He, and he was in, implying an audience as well, but yeah. he is thinking, well, why are you here? Like, what problems have you got that you're trying to deal with being here? We all know that kind of, the, the you know, I can't adult very well. That, all, yeah. that whole kind of trope yeah. comes from, and it's a majority trope, but I guess that comes from I'm not very good and that, that whole idea of um, I'm not good at life. This is why I'm on stage because I'm complaining about how terrible I am at life. You know, it's the, yeah. you see comedy is like a loser bemoaning their loser status. Yeah. If you're someone who comes on and says, yeah, I mean, obviously you, you mess stuff up, but you're never in danger. Like your dignity is never really in danger. Like you're, you're telling us as friends about a time you hilariously fuck something up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the, the wetting yeah, yourself in an elevator story. Yeah. Great story. Great yeah. bit. And we're all, but we're all on board. Yeah. So do you think, like, why are you there? Why are you on stage? Why, why stand up comedy? Why are I you, just, oh, why since are you I was a kid a, having a great life somewhere? What this have you is got a great to life. about? No, no, no. This is, <laughs> but it is a great life. Um, and I just, I've loved stand up since I was six. My, my parents, I still remember the record that an actual record, uh, was Billy Connolly, the pick of Billy Connolly. Yeah. And my parents, let me listen to that with headphones on. Um, and then I'd stop it every time I didn't understand a bit and I'd get dad or mum to come over and I'd play it to them yeah. and say, everyone's laughing. Why are they laughing? And then uh, mum and dad would sit there and break down why it's funny. So there's a, there's a song called Divorce. Yes, I was like, yes. what's divorce? Yeah, what is right. that? So mum and dad have to explain what divorce is to me, then explain why this has gone wrong and this is happening. Okay. Then I'd listen back and would laugh like, I see why that's funny. And I'd just okay. do that with so many comedy. I just loved it. I just love stand-up. So. Do you think there is, is, there is a kind of a wave now of comedians who are doing it almost as an extreme sport rather than as a means of bearing their innermost? Oh. Do, you, do, you, do you think there are there are kind of comedians? I feel like in the UK there have been sufficient, successful... I suppose... Has someone else put this? Or I, I can't remember who put it like this. It was almost like the Russell Howard effect, where you see someone who is a successful, handsome, very funny man. Not, I don't mean holding court. He's very funny. He's a brilliant comic. Um, but when you see someone... You know, that inspires a yeah. generation of people who go... Oh, right. Let's it, give isn't that a about, go. it isn't about a weirdo complaining about how they don't fit into the world. It's about a successful person being successful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then that inspires loads of people to, to do it. If you're, I'm interested when people come to comedy from a point of view of love mm-hmm. rather than fear and anxiety and depression and guilt yeah. and shame but, and all those things. But I, I have those things, not, not depression, but would definitely have anxiety at times and fear of stuff and um and they're they're great that you can there is somewhere with stand-up if you can make it funny you can talk about it that's my number one thing it has to be funny nothing annoys me more than a show that's built as comedy 
and it's not funny, and the person says, this, is, this show's not funny. And you go, well, why'd you call it comedy? It's insane. It's not fun. You're even saying it's not funny. I'm not saying it's not brilliant and they're heartbreaking and I'm not saying any of those things. They can be all of that, dramatic and beautifully written and perfectly structured. But if it's not funny, I don't get why it's under comedy. If no one's laughing and their intent is to not make people laugh, you go, yeah. what are you doing? What? <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. But I want to press you on the, on this point of like, why why are you why are you there? Right, you love doing it. I love it's my, yeah, it's my favorite. The, the f- is, it, already, is it just a thing that you've chosen? No, to do never. Out of all of the options, you no, no option. I j- just dropped everything else. My parents knew in high school. I was uh, I was on an academic scholarship at a private school here in Melbourne, and uh, I wanted to do law. My mum worked at a law firm as a PA receptionist for 35 years at the same law firm. And, Karen um, Cody. Karen Savage. Cody. <laughs> Brutal sense of humour. Um, and I wanted to do law, but mum knew my personality. And she took me into the law firm to get lawyers to talk me out of doing law. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is a, that's a maybe I, And then I was like, maybe I could be an accountant. And mum's like, you're getting great scores in accounting. You would hate accounting. Yeah. And then I wanted to do a trade. And mum's like, you're not doing a trade. You don't get up that early in the morning. <laughs> Unless you go on a sport, you're not going to get up to, you know. So, so already now we're forming a picture of why you are comparatively well-adjusted for a comedian. That is some sensational parenting. Yeah. I got pretty lucky in that regard, for sure. Why do you think she was so keen for you not to do something like that? Have you got brothers and sisters? Yeah. Younger sister. And what does she do? Uh, she does like an office job. Okay. Um, God, I never remember the term. There's so many terms for just office job. I just oh, know it's an office like job. project manager or It'd something. It'd be something yeah, like that. Something yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Leah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> My dad, I can't explain his job. There's always something new on the business card that he laughs at even. It's like, look at this wanky title that this has given this week, you know. Um, yeah, I got very lucky. So this is Nick. We've got time for one quick email, uh, a quick uh, donation-based blurb, and two little Edinburgh-related plugs. So let's start with the email. A listener called Grant, hello Grant, uh, wrote to me with an emotional response to the Pippa Evans podcast that I just thought I'd read out. This is quite uh, a lovely email to receive. Grant says, I've enjoyed your interviews, and it's often been your style and understanding that I've found more engaging than the guests. I mean, that's very flattering. I don't know how I feel about that. Obviously, I'm trying to bring you the guests, right? But thank you. He says, however, Pippa was so heartwarmingly honest in a fantastically self-aware way. Flawed and fabulous, grounded enough to be both terrific and shit and okay with the transition between. I find myself in love with that expression of personality. So this message is to thank you for all the podcasts and to say that I'm pleased that it's not my sense of guilt that now persuades me to donate, but rather the depth of my engagement and enjoyment. Thanks for all your hard work, for which I have given nothing in return until now. Very well written email, Grant. Thank you. I, I've got to agree with you. I'm sure Pippa is uh, is indeed, as you say, grounded enough uh, to let me read out this email saying that uh, that she can be both terrific and shit and okay with the transition between. I think that's very well put. I think we all like to be a little bit more like Pepper Evans. Fabulously self-aware, as you said. Um, if you're listening to this, not Grant, but you, uh, if you're listening to this and you uh, you haven't yet caught up with the Pepper Evans podcast, do check back uh, over the back catalogue and see some fabulous ones you've missed. Remember, everyone I get on the show is someone I'm very excited about talking to. So even if there are names you don't know, 
Uh, I know some people start off choosy and then become floozies over time and go back and listen to all of them. Uh, I chatted to uh, a Parisian comedian or a, a, an American com- uh, comedian currently resident uh, in Paris. Uh, hello to you. And I chatted to him at a preview I did last night. And he was saying uh, that he has started getting seriously to the podcast and is now up to Jen Kirkman, which, I mean, that's, is that two years ago in real time? I can't remember when we did Jen. Was that, that must have been my first trip to Montreal. It must be two years ago this week because I'm off to Montreal this week uh, to bring you guests, including W. Kamau Bell, K. Trevor Wilson, Sugar Sammy, and, uh, and also some other people if they get back to my email. So uh, hopefully I'll be bringing lots of those to you soon. But yeah, thank you very much, Grant. I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing up donating. I love the way that you say it's not my sense of guilt that persuades me to donate, but the depth of my engagement and enjoyment. Well, that's what I'm going for. If you are listening to this and you're enjoying this show, if your engagement and your enjoyment with this show is deep, as Grant's is, then you, like him, can start a, a regular monthly payment, a subscription to the podcast. And I want to be clear about this because this is, this is I'm, I'm pleased that it works like this. I'm not one of those guys that charges you for extra content, right? I give you all the content I can. If there are any extras, like the recent Simon Money extras, uh, you can find all of them at comedianscomedian.com forward slash extras. Uh, and you get access to them without paying. All we need is your email address uh, that will unlock those extras for you. And obviously, you will receive one of my almost quarterly uh, emails, <laughs> advertising t-shirts and the like, uh, and upcoming live shows and stuff like that. But you don't pay for that. What I'm wanting to build here is a community of people who, are making subscription donations to the show in return for precisely nothing but a good feeling. I don't want to sell you the content ever. If you can't afford to be a subscriber, you get no more or less than anyone else. But if you are a subscriber, if you are a donor to the show, uh, which you can become yourself at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate, then you get a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling uh, because you know that you are supporting the thing that you love. You don't get any extra stuff for it. Some people might say that's a cheap way of doing it. I honestly believe that uh, that's how I want it done. I want people who can't afford to donate to get exactly the same stuff as people who can. On that note, when it comes to the T-shirts, and thank you if you've been emailing saying, Stu, where's my T-shirt? It was months ago. It was the pre-sale, right? So we've done a whole pre-sale. That's now concluded. The T-shirts are being printed literally today. Uh, they have been held up by a week thanks to a broken machine, but they will all be being posted next week in real time, and you should get them shortly afterwards. There's a bunch of you who have, uh, have ordered a T-shirt via the pre-sale, and uh, anyone that didn't get to do that, if you didn't manage to get in there in time, they will be available uh, probably after the Edinburgh Festival when I can focus on something other than my show quick chat about uh, the show with you in the post table if you care to stick around uh, but do come along to that remember the three things the things we're pushing now at the Edinburgh Festival and if you're not coming to Edinburgh I'll try and make this brief so as not to wind you up or make it like a knife in your heart as a recent uh, recent emailer wrote um, everyone's a comedian this is the experiment. I think we're closing submissions now. We've got over a hundred submissions for my crowdsourced hour of comedy. I'm going to be giving a voice to those people who will never set foot on stage themselves. Uh, that is going to be on the 14th of August at 7.30pm at a venue called Subway, which used to be called Movement, and that's on Cowgate in Edinburgh. So turn up for that. It's free. It's unticketed. Get there. Let's ram the room. Let's have a good time. Go easy on me. Be nice. This has never been done before by anyone, let alone me, and I've no idea whether it will be good. I am confident that you guys are funny, but of course, the rules of this experiment dictate that I haven't read any, not a single one of your submissions. So, it's everything to play for. Don't leave me hanging, guys. 
On the 15th of uh, August, the following day, the Tuesday night, get tickets. If it hasn't already sold out, it will sell out. Come and see me take part in the wrestling. Real comedians, real wrestlers. I don't know how much of it's embargoed. I don't know what I can tell you about it. I've done a bunch of training sessions. I don't think it's illegal for me to tell you I suplex a grown man. Please come along to that. We're putting so much work into it. Max and Ivan... Uh, have put have created this incredibly wonderful thing and it remains the first ever wrestling which was some six seven years ago remains one of my top five live things i've ever seen in my life i i i loved it i'm so thrilled to be taking part so do jump onto the pleasance website and get yourself a ticket for that and of course finally once again free unticketed my own show uh, is going to be on in the liquid rooms annex 3.45 every day from the 5th to the 27th of August. It's called Like I Mean It. The previews are concluded. I've got a week now to run off to Montreal and then I get back and boom, we travel to Edinburgh with the tiny family and we get stuck into that show. So please come along and uh, come along early if you're a big laugher and a big loudmouth who wants to tell all your mates about how much you enjoyed the show. That's all the chat for now. Let's get back to Nick Cody and I'll give you a little post-amble afterwards. Let's get back to lovely. Isn't he lovely? Let's get back to Nick. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to, to kind of push this metaphor if this isn't the case, but I know yeah. you're a, a sports fan. I know yeah. you're an ultimate fighting yeah. fan. Yeah. And uh, you've got material about it. It's very yeah. funny. Um and mixed martial arts for mixed, mixed martial arts and uh, I was interested when we were chatting uh, in a bar a couple of weeks ago about you sort of said you had a not even a theory but a sort of a worldview about your place in stand-up uh, regarding almost different weight classes yeah so I'll ask you about that in a second but I think the point I wanted to try and make about it was that it's almost like I sometimes describe comedy to people as it's like an extreme sport. It's like mm-hmm. jumping out of a plane. That's the yeah, addictive yeah, yeah. nature of it. It's like, once yeah. you've done it, you're like, how True. can I make the rest of my life about only doing this? Yeah. 
and I suppose I'm also slightly fudging a, a metaphor and analogy that, that Alan Davies, British comic, used years ago. He said comics are either golfers or self-harmers. Okay. Do you know what I mean? There's like yeah. there's two camps. You either get on with it and enjoy playing a round of stand-up comedy, or you're out there cutting yourself on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadly, one of the camps. So, within with kind of with respect to that kind of analogy. Does that make sense to you that comedy is kind of like a sport? It is. It's like an, you've yeah. discovered you're good at a thing. Yeah. It makes you happy. And you, you can train hard. You can get better. Train hard and get better. Yeah. Yeah. So Try and be the, the, the one thing I've, that I do understand though is it's subjective. So I grew up playing sports, Australian rules football, American football in my teen years. Um, and the thing about sports is if somebody kicks 10 goals and somebody kicks seven, I heard Patrice O'Neill once, a US comic, say the thing he didn't like about comedy is that somebody worse than him can make more. Mm-hmm. It's like if Michael Jordan scores 40 points and Kevin Garnett scores 42, Kevin Garnett will get a bigger contract. But comedy is subjective. It's my favorite thing about it, though, is that there is something for everyone. Like at Melbourne Comedy Festival... The fact I meet people in Melbourne that still haven't been to see a comedy show at the fest, it's like there is something for you. Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. is everything there, you know. Um, But I do get... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We'll we'll continue this point as uh, the Boutros kicks off in the background. Um, I'm I'm very competitive, but I, I just make it against myself. I try and make it against myself, so... Did I do better than the show before? Did I get this right? Am I doing better than last year and the year before? How's it looking going forward? But I definitely put heaps, heaps of pressure on myself. Because growing up with sport, um, I had a coach and uh, my parents that were awesome in the way that after a game would end, they'd say, how would you rate yourself out of 10? And I could say, this game, seven and a half. They'd go, yep, well, we think it's a six and a half because this and this and this. Why do you think seven and a half? This and this. All right, cool. Next game, I could think it was a six and they could say eight or it could be a three and a five. This is your parents. Yes, and my coach and we'd talk about that. I'd do that with stand-up stuff. Like I'll know on stage, very calm and relaxed. But if I'm a tiny bit off on an inflection... Uh, on a tagline in my head I'm like shit shit that uh, that could have been better fuck it next time we'll get them next time you know but in the moment I am in my head breaking it down as I'm going along why did you look over there you could have put you know you could have your movement could have been better during that bit Um, and I'm doing that yeah throughout the throughout the set there's loads to talk about here. That's fascinating. So one of the one of the things I remember you saying when you did the Conan, when you did the yeah. Conan set, you messed up the word, and I think the word Fucking was dribbling, flub- dribbling, which is hilarious. Dripped over the you dribble dribble on the word. word dribble. Fantastic. So you were gutted about that, shattered, <laughs> shattered. And Conan but came in, over in, in and the moment. Was like, great job, and it was a great gig. Yep. And then I mentioned to him that I'd slipped up on a word, oh, yeah. and he said, "That's the most." comedian thing i've ever heard like you've flown from australia you've done well on your very first us tv set and you will think the flub on that word but in my head at the time i was not because it's a tagline i'm looking up the roof 
I've slipped up on dribbling, but there was a big laugh from the punchline that I, in my head, I remember the moment clearly. I'm looking up at the roof and I went, in my head, I've gone, you flubbed that. The crowd didn't hear because they're laughing, but it will be picked up 100%. (laughs) And so I'm already, I'm like, fuck. And you they, know, won't, I get, they, won't, they won't edit in Conan. They won't tidy it in nah. edit. Oh, or, or they've, they will do, they've but, cut people's sets down. Yeah. I've seen many sets that they've... Because people have just blown out, mm-hmm. gone way over time. And I've mm-hmm. seen them cut sets back. But I knew that. It was too... It's too small. Yeah, you most people it out. Would, no, no, no. Yeah, and it's most... I think the majority of people would not know, but I know, and comics would know. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? The difference between what comics know, like, you know, comics can see uh, comedians look at their watches. Yeah. Apparently, humans can't see that. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a thing that yeah. registers. <laughs> yeah. So, let's let's go back to this, this sporting analogy. Yeah. If you're putting... I mean, A, I, that is so far from my experience of being a sport... Well... I was think I was going to say from from the point of view of being a sportsman, appraising your performance as a child, as a younger person, having a mental, having parental pressure on your not like not no pressure, un- not unpleasant. Actually, no pressure from my parents okay. to do anything. Okay, never. They, you happy? Yeah, great, great. That's good. To, as a parent who wants yeah. their kid to be happy, that's great to hear. That's all they can do, you know. Um, but the mentality of going, right, that was a six and a half, next time I've got to be better, and putting pressure on yourself. Yeah. I'm interested in that as an approach to life, because it's not really something I've ever <laughs> experienced, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm interested in it in terms of comedy, given that comedy can't be summed up of, like that. It is course. Binary it, like that. And of course you can follow some of course you can have a night and get more applause breaks. For sure. And then have a night and get less applause breaks. But I don't even judge gig. it on that. No. But I know that's not a better gig. That I'll I'll break it down. I'll I just look at my performance. The crowd can do whatever they like. That I'm not in control of that. Aren't you? Well my performance may dictate how they react. Obviously okay. it's a fair okay. bit of it. But then there's a bit that's up to them okay. that I can't down my hands. That's interesting because you drive yourself mad if you were chasing. Oh, a, of course. Oh, I, I've got to get them to. No, you know they didn't laugh at that bit. But no, I was. I, you know, it was provided you can think. I've bits in my show that I, uh, I'll have little throwaway lines that I know that are taglines, but I, I'm very dismissive about them, and it's the thing that I'm liking more with the reviews when they say it's so calm. It looks like he's not trying. I'm throwing out tiny little things at times, and if they get a laugh, I know the crowd is switched on. And if they don't, I just go, ah, all right, we'll throw them another one in a few minutes and just <laughs> okay. see what's happening. Okay. Is that then satisfying if you're thinking, I'm being better than this gig is going? You throw in one of them, they don't get it. That allows you to go, these guys don't get it. Yeah. They're not, they're not my favourite people. They're not, you know. Yeah. yeah. But again, I, d- I don't hate a crowd or anything. There's some, I'll be frustrated, like, ah, that crowd was a bit shitty. But I'm just not the person they wanted to see. I understand that. So you were saying before about your, your kind of UFC metaphor about weight classes. That's kind yeah. of also a means of uh, a, a structure through which you... I mean, do you get envious of other people? Because I think the context of that conversation when we well, had it was about, like, look, they're, they're out of my weight class. It's not a problem. Yeah, well, there's a. Of course, you'd be lying if you said you'd never get a little bit of how. How's this person get this? Yeah. But 
it is minimal, minimal. Because there's a uh, a quote I bring him up in my show, Conor McGregor, the Irish UFC fighter that I love. He's got a quote: um, uh, "Winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners." There's no why you're looking at anyone else like uh, Edinburgh Fringe. How I just because people say there's three thousand shows, and I said, well, unless two thousand nine hundred ninety nine shows are blocking the box office <laughs> to stop people from buying tickets to my show, or they're all getting together and setting my theatre on fire. Yeah. They're doing nothing. <laughs> it's uh, it's up it's up to me to get people in and put on a good show. I hope all three thousand shows are excellent. That would be the best. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you can't you can't worry about other people too much. And could you did you go, go on? Sorry. sorry, the UFC rankings thing or the divisions. Yeah, there'll be, you know, I just say I'm in the straight white bearded male division. There's heaps of us. How am I doing in comparison to the rest of the people in that division? That's all I'll look at. Some comics will go, well, how come I don't have the thing Auntie Donna has? You yeah, go, right. what do you mean? The unbelievable three-man sketch group. They're not even in the same sport. Yeah. Why, why are you looking at them? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like a soccer player complaining that a netballer won a netball that trophy. That is really you know, what are you looking at? They're it's, not in the same It's sport. not in the same yeah. thing. So why are you focusing on that? They're getting more baskets than me. Yeah. yeah that's fine. You're playing baseball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very different. Um but then again, I know even the comics that I'd look at as people similar to myself or I'm similar to them, we're all just doing stand-up. Just do your best stand-up. That's just want to get better every year. And when you mentioned earlier on, you said that's, you know, you've got that kind of, uh, you said train hard, get better. That, mm-hmm. was your, that was your thing when you were younger. That was a train hard, get better. How does that, how do you approach training hard and getting better in stand-up? Spots. Um, I, I'm terrible at sitting down at a computer and writing, but I'm happy to do five, six, seven spots in a day if that's possible mm-hmm. to work out the stuff, record, listen back. Um, as I'm building the bit or the chunk, I'll listen back. Yeah, swap that there, change the tone at the opener, maybe move that little bit further into the show so people understand more about you. So by the time it gets there, just the sentence alone without any jokes, we'll get a laugh because that you've set up your personality and the things you're into and things you don't like. Um, I've got a bit in a show this year uh, where I talk about going to a vegan barbecue straight from a bar where I've been watching the UFC and it's a bad mental space. You should separate those weeks apart, right? But I say, I'm going, I went to a vegan barbecue. Um, it was a Lucia choice. It's the name of my wife. That's all I have to say. Yeah. And that gets a laugh because within the first 40 minutes, I've built up who I am, who my wife is, our personalities. So as soon as I just say, that's her choice, and I just say it as a little throwaway thing, but people will laugh at that because they know yes, gotcha. what she's like yes. and what I'm like in comparison. Um, so, yeah, the train hard. I've just got to do lots of spots and just make sure it's... You are one of the very few, loads of comics on this podcast say, I record loads of my spots. Most of them go, oh, I never, never listen back. Can't bring myself to listen back. I'll, I'll only listen back when I'm building the stuff, uh, when I'm putting it together. And I won't listen to every single one, but sometimes I might one day sit down and 
listen to three spots back to back. God, I don't think I've ever eight ten minutes, but it is excruciating, and I'll only listen out for the stuff that I know I'm trying to fix. Yes. Okay. There's yeah, no point yeah. listening to the whole thing. Like, if there's an opening joke that's always been working yeah. and it worked again, yeah. what sort of arsehole would sit there and... <laughs> yeah, it's well done, mate. <laughs> but if there's a bit that's bombing, yeah. listen to that. And just What's going on? Why? Does, does that approach... Um, do you recognise... Obviously, that there's there's very strong things about that approach. I don't know if uh, don't know if the listener can uh, can hear Labutros singing in the background. Yeah, he's having a great a, time. Eh? He's having a great time. He should be napping. Um, I should also point out that his mum is looking after him. We yeah. haven't just locked him in a cupboard. Um, there's definitely good things about that approach. That kind of methodical approach. I I do that sort of thing. I wonder sometimes in my own practice whether that methodical approach runs the risk of being workmanlike. Do you know what oh, I mean? Whereas actually, like, what I might want more kind of flights of fancy and, and more wondering and more loose stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually what I'm doing is I'm very getting very good at honing the thing that is already there. Yeah. But I'll, I also, it's never written out fully, so I always give myself room to move around in bits. Um, I know I heard... I believe it was your interview with Burr saying he doesn't stick to the exact same set list in that order every night. Mm-hmm. I'll switch stuff up just to throw myself off. Mm-hmm. And then I'll actually find other links and things and just try and stay loose in the moment. Um, mindful, you know. As soon as I lock it in, I the performance is robotic. I don't enjoy it. It never goes as well. So I have to make sure I stay loose and I can play around and, um, yeah, I'll switch stuff up in the set list, change different orders. There's some things in a, in my tour that have to be in a particular order yep. for callbacks and things later on. But the rest I can – the other night I just opened with a chunk that's normally 20 minutes in just to see what happens. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. But I, I think what I'm asking is in the the – process which for you has become the process the method which mm-hmm. for you has become the process um of and, like, and it's very story based and all your stuff is mm-hmm. this crazy thing happened to me and i think is i read a review of yours that said um uh he's got a lifetime of bad choices ahead of him yeah. <laughs> through which to find but more material what's always funny is that i don't think that's going to happen that's the thing i find so when i say on stat i just do not learn from these mistakes, I just know I can say in the next year, I want to do this and this and this. And I'll say, it's going to be a bit of a boring year. I don't think anything will happen. Oh, well, well, I'll have to, I'm going to have to build a show somehow. We're going to get a show. I just don't know. But something will happen and I will make a poor decision. That is, it's just, I should, I know that about myself now. You're going to look like a dick at some point in the so, next 12 months. Because you're like, you've written seven hours now. Yeah, but three, three and a half or anything decent. Three and a half, I would okay. not even. But yeah, sure. But I was but, young. I started when I was nineteen, so I jumped in early and just tried to punch out it. But they were not hours. If you could get two and a half minutes out of my first hour, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> so, but it it worked well enough for you to keep going. Yeah. So, what was that? Were you just coasting on what charm? No, just that. Like, how did you get away with it if it was that bad? Well, I didn't. Like, it wasn't good. Okay. I didn't get away with it. But every year it gets better. Um, 
and I love stand so uh Louis CK's Netflix special 2017 I watched that the other day poor mistake watching it before I go and do my show yeah because the thought I have it's two th- two thoughts at the s- this <laughs> simultaneous there uh shit why would I watch this this is a master delivering an incredible hour and then the second thought is just keep working hard. That's all That's all anyone does. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting hard. to hear interviews with Louis C.K. I mean, he was, he was kind of video podcasting like yeah. 15 years ago, yeah. something nuts. Yeah. Um, and you sort of hear about him being 18 or 20 and dashing around New York on a motorbike, motorbike and yeah. going in between 10 spots and the rest of the Keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. You've yeah. just got to turn up. If you don't turn up, it's not going to happen. That doesn't mean to say if you turn up, it will happen. But if you don't, it definitely won't. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's it. Like that's the level I love stand up at. That when I was an open micer, I flew to New York to watch Louis at Carnegie Hall record his album Word, and the next night watch Patrice O'Neill tape Elephant in the Room. No way. Yeah. You saw yeah. the taping yeah. of Elephant in the I was Room. At the taping of Elephant in the Room and uh, Word the. Carnegie Hall, but the gig that I think comedians freak out the most about is I was 19 at the Opie and Anthony show in Philadelphia where Bill Burr got heckled. No way. Yeah. yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. I'd worked at a summer camp in Oregon and loved Opie and Anthony. This is the Philly one where he yeah, does the he Philly, the Philly incident on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was 19 in the crowd. I caught, I couldn't afford a flight. So I caught an Amtrak across America. It took three and a half days or something insane. Jesus Christ. And then a train down to, um, Camden, and New you Jersey, were rewarded like, with one of like, yeah, the most it was memorable. Awesome, yeah. So in, in like, which I he, love stand-up. He basically every, everyone was bombing. The crowd sucked. So no, no, no. Only a them. couple people bombed. Okay, a lot of people oh, went this great. Is, we get it from the horse's mouth now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there was a, a Philly comic, Jimmy Schubert, who was on earlier, who got booed off. Um, he booed off because he came out and just went straight into material. Where Opie and Anthony, this radio show, rabid fan base. Yeah. Crazy people. There's twelve thousand people in an amphitheater, at an amphitheater, and uh, it, crazy. And he comes out and just goes straight into material. He yeah. doesn't start off. Open the open Anthony fans. What's up? Like if yeah, anyone did yeah, that, yeah, the crowd sure. would go and yeah, then stop. Of course, of course, He's of just come out. So I was at Starbucks yesterday. Yeah, right. Boom. Right, food <laughs> off. And Tracy Morgan was on after him, and he's like, "If you do that to a white guy, oh man, I'm terrified about what's going to happen to me." You know. And, yeah. Then somebody got sort of booed later on, and then Burr was on, and he started a bit that he didn't know they'd been playing on the radio. Okay. Um, as like a teaser for the upcoming event. Okay. And they started booing him, and he turned on him. And That's six six years after that, I opened for Burr at the Sydney Opera House as a part of Just for Laugh Sydney for three nights, and on the Saturday night, asked him if he could sign the ticket, <laughs> and he lost his mind. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So you were 19 traveling to America to see stuff because you were just like, this is yeah, what I worked. I, I worked at a summer camp and I used the money from the summer camp to go to New York and just try and see shows. Okay. So that might explain why. I mean, I think of you as someone who is like, I, I kind of don't think of you as an Aussie act. I think of you as an international well, act. You, that, go, you get everywhere, right? You said before the, the pompous thing. The, I don't want this to sound pretentious, yeah, yeah. right? But with stand-up now, 
I see comics in Mel as I'm starting to build stuff. They'll have a bunch of Melbourne references. Yeah. And things that only Australians will know. But I know it's a limited amount of time here. A lot of time is going to be overseas. So I can't be talking about a Mikey card yeah. in Serbia yeah. or in London or in the US. And that is, I just realized I'm having my own little pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to make sure it is an international. Yeah, you've got act. to write universally. Yeah. You've got to but I also like the fact that you can slip in Australian type things and people will get on board if you explain it well enough. Yeah. I had a bit about performing for the SAS and meeting a guy, uh, Mark Donaldson, who's a Victoria Cross recipient. And in the States, I'll say, before I start this, SAS is like SEAL Team 6, the Navy SEALs. Victoria Cross is Medal of Honor. Got it? And everyone goes, yep. And then you yeah. can just do the story yeah. and people are fine. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. I'm, obviously, I'm converting cultural references here. There's one line in my show where I would normally say, you know, you look at a biker doing 90 miles an hour on the motorway. And I have to say a bikey doing 110 on the freeway. But yeah. I really make a meal of bikey, as I'm sure all British comedians do here. I get yeah. five minutes out of bikey and then yeah. go, doing 110 on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> this is just painful to have to say. But yeah, that's interesting. I've got, I'm already no, I already know there's bits in my show this year that for Edinburgh, I'll either have to cut yeah. or word different. But then you're losing, you're losing some of the punch. So which way around conversion. are you doing it? Is this show going to Edinburgh? Yeah. So that's the, that's the other way around to the way most well, Australian no, acts do it. Australian acts run in the show in Edinburgh and then bring it to Melbourne. Oh, really? No, 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 no I think not. it's the opposite. Oh, no. no. They run Because, God, you're, all, you're in Edinburgh for a month. Yes, I'm sorry. I've got you it you want the around. show to be well, you, going well, so well, you feel good. Edinburgh's tough enough. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, you're right. I did this show in Edinburgh and now I've brought it. Yeah. I didn't run it in, in Edinburgh. I did it in Edinburgh and yeah. then got the chance to do it here. So, yeah, so you're doing... Yeah, the opposite, which reverse, is getting really, yeah. yeah, okay. Okay. What have you learned from being a touring act, like an international act? Because you've been, you know, I've, I don't know, did I see you in Melbourne? I can't remember. Did we? So, yeah, I in Montreal. I'm in Montreal, obviously. Montreal, we ran into it. Yeah, we, I did yeah. see you in Montreal. And so, I saw you in LA at the podcast festival course, a couple of years ago. There yeah. we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Right, okay, okay. That was, I, I, yeah, I really remember that. So um, we both come out of this bit of the conversation looking very well travelled. <laughs> thanks, thanks for bringing that one up. Um, but like that's that's something you've had your sights on since day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Montreal. Well, no, I mean uh, it, just the world international act. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In a way that I guess I don't think I. I mean, it was a while before I when I started doing stand up in the UK and I was starting in London. It was a while before I thought. I want to do the world. I just kind yeah. of, I just wanted to do comedy. Yeah. But I think you, it sounds like you've always been like, no, through the back of the head. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And there's a thing here, there's financial things in Australia that are tempting. I have not been offered one because I don't aim for one. Or I've done a lot of radio work, like guest spots and things, and breakfast radio here in Australia. You could start off on $200,000, $250,000. And it just goes up. Um, and then there's TV roles. But again, hosting things, I'm not a fan of. I'm hosting a show. I've hosted it already. Ten episodes of a show that's coming out in Australia later in the year that uh, I got sold as Tosh.0. Yeah. But it was more Australia's Funniest Home Videos. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. And are you voiceover or are you physically standing there? The host. host how, of the how do you feel about it? 
had a wedding and a tax bill, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I also I got lucky. I was the face of the Telstra ads for the Samsung S7. No Then way. they started fucking blowing up on planes. And I was like, woo, got out of that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so on brand for you. It's like, yeah. Yeah, get Cody do your advert, phone blows up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could have pitched it better now. Yeah. So those ads never got shown. But no, uh, the tr- sorry, what I mean by that is I just love stand-up. And obviously, UK and the US are where it's biggest. Sure. And you want what you want is to tour. I think I read an interview with you earlier. You were talking about what actually what you want is to be touring. You, yeah. you want a level of, you want a Bill Burr, Louis yeah. C.K. kind of, yeah. I'm, just, I'm a big ex and I do massive theatres. Yeah, for sure. Arenas. Do you want to do arenas? I don't know. I saw Louis in an arena um, in Dublin last year. Like, again, this is how much I love stand-up. My Monday off, the middle Monday in Edinburgh last year, I get on a flight to Dublin, go straight to Three Arena to watch Louis, then the next morning fly back to Edinburgh to do the show. Like, Louis's here. Can I see him? Only if you go to Dublin. Cool. Yeah, 45 right. minutes yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. I, say, I, <laughs> I caught a train once <laughs> when he first announced the dates I think the first UK dates he announced were London I was like that's the middle of Edinburgh and I started looking into flights I googled a few flights <laughs> so glad I didn't buy one because then he came to Edinburgh yeah <laughs> but I missed him yeah, I course. couldn't see him in Edinburgh um, but the arena I don't I don't know I just started watching um, Kevin Hart's special yeah it's so big it seems crazy I don't know if it's the right thing for Stand-up. Speaking of Kevin Hart, I'm a big uh, fan of his social media approach, his yeah. mailing list approach, as detailed as an episode of WTF that he was yeah. on. Oh, my God, right? Yeah. So taking email addresses, building a database. He's been doing that for 10 years, going hard at every gig. Wham, huge star. Obviously, that's not the only thing yeah. involved, and we all know comics who should put more time into their writing and performing than they mm-hmm. do their social sure. media you know whatever that Harley kind of- Breen once used the term about a local comic who will go unnamed he's got a black belt in marketing white belt in comedy yeah right absolutely <laughs> absolutely we've seen a bit of that you know yeah. we could all point to that where do you stand on the marketing part of it given that if your ambition is to do huge venues you- I should I should get better at like mailing lists and things like that for sure I've also got my own podcast that I've only put out a few episodes of because it's fun. it just I don't wake up in the morning thinking about it. I wake up and think stand up mm-hmm. every day. It's almost the first thought. It'll be something to do with either me. Has, I've seen something that I found hilarious, or me thinking about a stand up thing later. Or can I? Could I go to this place and do stand up? Could I do this? That's all I think about. Um, I should probably focus more on. <laughs> When it comes to comedy, that's what I'm thinking about. Just yeah, stand up. yeah, yeah. Because the podcast yeah. would be like, Nick, you haven't released one in eight months. Oh shit, that happened, did it? Oh well. <laughs> but stand up's always on the okay. The marketing, though, I should get better at. Some local comics do give me a bit of shit because I will, like my show this year called On Fire, and I the promo pics are um, inspired by Conor McGregor photo thing on a on a throne okay chilling out on a on a throne i just find it so ridiculous for stand-up the fact that i am going to walk out and just talk into a normal microphone yeah it's not a golden one right it's i just yeah i find that fun to do that sort of stuff but i i definitely 
do some social media braggy type posts, without a doubt. Okay. A lot of self-deprecating. But there are times where, like the other year, I got to I put up a photo in business class saying, five years ago, I was taking $1 Tiger flights to Perth to do $50 pub gigs, and now I'm on business class flying to do a gala. And I put that down half for me. Yeah. Like, hey, man, just remember, like, I can scroll through my Instagram yeah, feed yeah, yeah. and go, it's getting better. Yep. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. Um, and then half to just, because I think Australia's got the tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, without doubt. You can do well to a point, then fucking pull your head in, mate. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't like that. That's all. I love rap music and the UFC and I love that over Peacocking the top. kind of Peacock like- for sure. Yeah. As long as you back it up, which is where all the stress comes in with making sure the show gets better. Because you will, you're a piece of shit if you strut out and then put on a bad show. Yeah. But if you if you pull it off, excellent. So let's just come back then to this this idea of putting pressure on yourself. Mm. Because I think you you've got real clarity of purpose. That's almost you know what I mean by by picking. You've picked a goal there. That's a smart goal, mm-hmm. right? Touring. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I'm not going to bother writing a sitcom. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to write jokes, do jokes, travel everywhere, do jokes. But I also see that if I did write something, if I put time into that, it could help the tour. Yeah. Which I do think about like, so do you hey, do, stupid, do you then do stop that? grinding out, just gr- just these incremental, small increments of climbing it's up on touring. fascinating, isn't it? But then you go, do you write a thing? Will that help stand up? Or do you take a job to try and get more people in? Yeah. Or do you just... Push ahead. That's it. Because I, I'm always of the, I've always been of the opinion. You just turn up and work. Just turn up and work. You want to do something. This is when I was a street performer. Just turn up with the case. Bang out a show. Bang out a show. Get better. Get better. Get better. Until you're sort of unstoppable. And but then, then you know that, comics that, get caught in a loop, exactly and they don't that. go any further than that. Exactly that. So there's that fear of like you can work hard, and you're still. But not, it's not smart. But it's not smart. Yeah, you've got to work smart as well, and that's where, like I. Edinburgh's helped a lot in uh, the sense that, like, got Conan off the back of it, got European tour off the back. A lot of people come to Edinburgh to see shows. And when I first went in 2015, I got offered a 40-seater or a 170-seater. And so I took the 170. Like, if I'm turning up with a show called Beard Game Strong, what sort of beta move would it be to go, come see this alpha hero? By the way, I didn't back myself for 170. I only backed myself for a 40 and then last year, they're like, do you want the 170 again or there's a 250? show's called Come Get Some. Put me in a 250. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll hate if it's not it, – I know at the start it's always slow, but then when you get those couple of sold outs in a room, I'm like, here we go. I knew I you know, worked hard. I thought about the sh- – I put in all this effort and backed myself because it is a big – Yes, it is. Big move to come in. That it is peacocking in a way. Where you, yeah, where are you starting? One seventy. Who knows it? What are you from? Nothing. Just stand up. So what happened? What was the what was the lowest turnout you got in your one seventy? That f- that first night, I think it was thirty eight, okay. and I was which devastated. Which, which room was it? What was the one assembly? Assembly uh, George Square Studio Two. Oh, is that like a lecture? Lecture theater. Cyber? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 170. And when numbers are out, I get, yeah, because I'm very competitive. I want it. It's a part of it. Yeah. I can get better. I can get better numbers. 
what are we doing? That's on my hat's off to you. I get frustrated at the start of the day. I'm frustrated at the start of the day about numbers. And then I, again, sounds pretentious or whatever, but I'm like, if I do a good job, if I do the best job I can do, it, it'll get better. And are you out on the street flyer in your own show? No, not anymore, no. But for that one I did for you. No, no. So where are the people coming it, from? How are you going to get Well, them? no, there's flyers. Yeah, yeah. In Edinburgh. Yeah. There are flyering. And are team. you investing? Word of that? mouth. Did you get taken over there? Did you get yeah. kind of looked after? Yeah. Okay. So you've got someone investing in you in a kind yeah. of a, we're going to put some money in and it's yeah. going to work out. Which I wouldn't go until that happened. Yeah. And I'm happy I waited years. You've got to say no to stuff as well. Some comics are going, I'm going over expecting to lose $8,000. And then the high school accounting economics student comes out like, why the fuck would you do that? Mm -hmm. It makes no sense to me. But it's hard. It's a hard choice, isn't it? But you're going into it with the mentality of my month's work, I am as good as minus $8,000. Why, why, why would that be in your head? I have the opposite. I, I want, if I'm going in, we can do this. I want the show to be this good. You can make this much. Let's, it can be you bigger. You can definitely control the controllables. You can make the show as big as it can possibly be. But of course. You can't just magic up the people out of thin air. No, of course not. Of course not. But then there's no, that you might as well have it in there that they're going to turn up instead of they're not going to turn up. That doesn't change. It's just your mentality is different. So when was your, how many days was it in that 170 before you filled it? I, had a sell it, I think 10, yeah, eight or 10, and then sold out maybe six or eight over the run. I think average maybe, I want to say an average of 110. Okay. 120. And then last year that number was up. And you was that year you because got- I also think like I've you know you've got the show title thrown. There's a gobo. You're blasting music. Yeah, that in my head I've just I'm when I'm thinking about all that stuff. I'm not thinking about ten people in a two hundred seater when yeah. I'm putting that together. Yeah. I'm thinking of it being full. That's when it's going to get the best. Everyone will have the best time because it's designed for people that packed in. It's going to be loud over the top. This is great. Then, this is you should be writing a book. <laughs> you should be writing a book about positive thinking. Where does the positive thinking thing come from? Is it from sport? Is it from that that thing you were talking about before about your mentor kind of going? How was the that coach. six and a half? Yeah. Of the race, that coaching kind of thing. Um, because you like, it feels like this shouldn't be an unusual conversation we're having, but I've never had a conversation quite like this one on the on the podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, that's- <laughs> like it's. Um, I'll take that as a positive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, beautifully put. <laughs> but I'm just wondering whether, like, are there when you say you get anxious about stuff? Is for sure. Is is the is the we'll talk about the work related aspects mm. of that. Is that because you've bitten off more than you can chew, or that you're? I mean, do you? Have I just mo- was living poorly. Yeah. That um, in the show this year, I talk about seeing a mental health professional yep. to learn some breathing techniques. Um, and my wife suggested I go and do it. And in the show, obviously, I'm, I make fun of what... It, um, she's like, Nick, I'm, I'm not sure what it was. It's the maybe you're waking up, you're listening to rap music while drinking four coffees and watching UFC videos all simultaneously. Those, it's maybe not conducive to 
but I, um, yeah, I did get anxious at times, like I think a lot of people do. And was that was it sort of anger management as well? You referred in the show to like breathing exercises, looking at your watch. Oh, was that no, it wasn't anxiety anxiety. Or, or anxiety. Anxiety, because I'd uh, in verbal confrontations, I'd go verbally aggressive. Never at friends or family, but ever in my life, I've just never been that person. I'd sit there quietly before having an argument with friends or family, almost to a detriment. You can, you know, if you're not standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. But if it's somebody at an airport desk, I'll just go zero to a hundred. And then the mental health professional's like, well, instead of aggressive, why why would you go aggressive? And I said, because passive aggressive, I despise nothing mm-hmm. more than passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what about assertive? And I'm like, that's why you're getting the big buck. <laughs> <laughs> but I get, yeah, I'd get anxious in moments. And then I didn't realize I was doing things that I thought would get me out of being anxious that would actually make me more anxious. I'd listen to rap music or I'd watch as, UFC as videos. your anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking uh, you can bravado yourself out of this. And it's the opposite. And what was the root of that anxiety, do you think? Um, oh, who knows? It's probably job-related. There'd be um, not, not job-related, just, you know, travelling all the time, drinking beers. You're not living well. Um, but, yeah, I just I put a lot of but is pressure it, on myself. Well, that, uh, we've, we've come back to that idea. Of putting pressure on yourself. What is what is the outcome for which? What's the goal towards which you're putting the the pressure on yourself? Is it like financial success or fame or a bigger room? Like what would be enough for you that you would go that you would be able to stop putting pressure on yourself? Is there like a sort of a an end game where you would like if you could visualize well, so yourself saying think, now I have enough? Well, I used to think. All of those, it's going to get big, bigger and maybe you could make more money and do a bigger thing, but it's not do, do, doing these breathing techniques and everything. You realize it's not about that. Um, when I when I have those thoughts, all I'm doing is thinking of things I can't control. All I can do in the moment, if I'm thinking about stand-up, get better at stand-up, be better, work on it. Because that's my favorite thing, like a new bit working. I yeah. love more than anything. Yeah. It's my favorite. So occasionally getting upgraded to business class, I say, how sweet is this? But it's nowhere near as sweet as most tweaking my show over the course of a month. Sure, and sure, it's sure. Better. But do you see what I mean? What, like, what, would, what would represent the end goal for you? Like, it, like I suppose, right. and it, does that question even mean anything to a, to a sportsman, just to continue yeah. that sport analogy? I guess, you know, you, you're, someone's team can't win AFL forever. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. else no, gives course. up because yeah. we won. But what is the, what's the thing that you're working towards that the lack of which would start that frustration? Like, I tell you what, with me, when I, one of the things that gets me very anxious at the moment is feeling like I really want to be as good a comedian as possible yeah i really want to be as good a dad as possible those things seem very the tension between them can seem very difficult sometimes yeah and i'm trying to make decisions about Do us try and step out of it and just say how good is this i'm a comedian and a dad i do yeah 
and that definitely is that that you know when I'm able to master it in a breathing exercise yeah. kind of way and step outside of it and go actually this is fine I've been tense for two days now yeah. this is actually fine <laughs> yeah. and I'm just I just mean like you could give you it actually helps you reset because that's what I do anytime these thoughts what about this do you want it you got to hopefully get more people in, do a better show. You want it to go well. You, you want to be better than last year. And I'll try and stop myself and just step back and go, hold on a second. I get to do stand-up comedy. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do. This is great. And it calms me down. Then I can think, all right, let's logically and rationally go about yeah. these next steps, which is what I try and do. I did not used to do that at all. I'd get those thoughts and think, you know what I need? Drake blasted very loud in headphones right now and then that would actually make me more anxious because you're not thinking about anything it's just all white noise are you satisfied with your material at the moment this show Uh is the best show i've ever done but it can definitely get better i can always get better like you touch on the breathing exercises in in this Mm -hmm. show you i mean i guess my instinct is that you're not sort of interested in like interrogating that stuff in in depth i will if i can make it funny for sure if i can make it funny um because i have one of those my, uh my wife will always laugh you know uh i don't want to have one of those shows where you just lay out anything bad that's ever happened you know, people, and dad was like this and mum yeah. was, I, you go, you, of course you can point out stuff, but I wouldn't, I don't want to dig in too deep to certain things just because I, it's just turning stuff that happened in the past into cash, which is, it's like, why would you, I, I don't like the idea of that. If I can make it funny, yeah, but I'm not just going to bring shit out just to, Talk talk about it. So when you're writing the next show, mm-hmm. is there anxiety about, like, what am I going to say? For is sure. It- it's already now, starting now. For I'm already thinking about next year. Yeah. Um, and again, if you haven't seen my stand-up before, anyone that's listening... I hope you're not expecting to hear some masterpiece. I'm just a <laughs> fucking bloke just try, trying to be funny for a hand. But know that, that, you know, once the hour starts clicking in, I'm always trying to tighten up little things and get it better and better and better. But then also just chilling out to yeah, have a good time. But, yeah, I'm already thinking, well, what's the yeah, – what, yeah. what are you going to talk about next year? I don't know. We'll see. Like this year, I spoke about the mental health professional, and maybe next year that I could explore that more, possibly. Um, like I know there's certain. I think sometimes you've got the ideas, but your your skill isn't up to getting those across in a funny way. But there's stuff in my show this year that may have been from notes four years ago, but I didn't have the skill four years mm-hmm. ago to make that bit mm-hmm. funny. But now I can. And there's probably things that have happened this year that I won't be able to make funny for five years when I'm better. I wonder if anyone, I wonder if any comic goes, oh, I'm just not going to worry about writing a new show for six months and then I'll start writing and it'll be fine. I wonder if anyone's oh, well, in that position. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I'm thinking about it. I'm not, I'm, I say anxiety. That's, that's, 
making anxiety. I'm trivialising it a little bit, but I am definitely thinking about what's the what's the next thing. And I know the more I tour overseas, the window gets smaller. Yeah. To turn out a new show. Yeah. And but that just means I have to work harder in that window. Like this year, I got married at the start of February, went on my honeymoon, got back Feb fifteenth, did shows that night. The night I got back from my honeymoon, two spots. Two on the Friday, two on the Saturday, went away, went away for two weeks on the Sunday to do a run of these pub gigs where I was doing 30 to 35 each night, free gigs at venues where there's fucking greyhound race on behind your head. <laughs> people are maggot drunk. They're in there for free. Some people, there's some drunk people, there's some people that are there for comedy. And I just think if some of these bit, if I can get people to focus on these bits here, yeah. when there's 300 and there's a gobo, and my music and people are there to see me, it'll be bananas. That's what I think when that when that's happening. Um, you've supported uh, Bill Burr, yep. Jim Jeffries, mm-hmm. Anthony Jeselnik. Mm-hmm. Those are three acts of a particular kind, aren't they? For sure. Yeah. So what's the? why do you think those ones? Do these people that you've met and they've liked you or are these people who... No, I just got picked... You, I just got picked for those. I suppose because you're a sort of a... Compliment. Jeffries, oh, but five years ago, I really thought I was... Looking back, I was like a mini Jim Jeffries. <laughs> Leather really? jacket, fucking trying to tell it like it is. No, that's what I mean, the no. points. I can't make points. It's not... That's, I, realized, I think that's what I was after when I was asking before. For sure. Okay. For sure. Um, I was fascinated were, by like, him. trying to tell it like it is. Oh, fuck. Disgusting. Gross. It's um, a lot of that about. Yeah. It's and certainly it's com- but, new comics. That yeah, of course. Of but you look at, uh, I look at them and as much as you want to go, man, what are you doing? Obviously, there were comics above me that were looking at me going, what are you thinking? Yeah. And you just hope they get out of it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, not that at all. <laughs> it's really, I mean, how exciting to make that decision before you're even 30. You're not 30, are you? No. To, to have gone through those mistakes and go, well, then, oh, God, what am I trying to do? I know there's bits from two years ago, that three years ago, that I wouldn't work now just based on my style now. Like, it's just slowly changing the like more and more, more I do stand-up. Again, the actual bits are escaping me, but, <laughs> yeah, just the tone of certain things I wouldn't do now. But And I'm sure that in five years... It'll be different to how I am now. And in 10 years, it'll be different to how it is five years from now. But instead of freaking out, I'm trying to remember. Don't worry about that. Just the day-to-day. Hopefully, it gets better. You know? I've been really enjoying asking this. It may go nowhere. Which comic would it be most narratively satisfying if they killed you? If I got killed by a certain comedian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um... <laughs> maybe maybe Luke Heggie because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things that Heggie and again for the listeners check him out he's just my favourite it's such a different style from me but he so it's so intelligent and beautifully written and very di- it couldn't be more different from my style I think um, yeah there's things that he'll talk about in his show that I am definitely guilty of or was in the past that I find f- just so funny. Oh, like the things he's skewering are things oh, he's guilty of. Oh, yeah, for sure. The little bogan tendencies, you know. Um, 
I think it would be very funny if he killed me. If, if, if there's just too many for him to handle in one friend, <laughs> he just gets rid of me. <laughs> have you uh, have you ever contributed against your will? Uh, have you ever noticed a bit of yours come up somewhere else? Have you had a bit nicked? Is what I'm asking. Oh, no. No, because the, one of the reasons that I like doing stuff about me, it would be very hard to pull off. You know what I mean? Like, if it's stuff about that's happened to me, it'd be hard to pull off without it, you know, yeah, you'd me nick, hearing about nick it. jokes from anecdotalists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very lucky. I feel bad for comics that are, do have these short, sharp bits that are... The thing that terrifies me is uh, I had a line in my show last year that a mate... Another comic, Danny McGinley, said, oh, have you seen Ed Byrne? And I said, no. And he said, oh, it's very similar to an Ed Byrne bit. And I was like, oh, shit, that is terrifying. Yeah. That is, I'll cut it immediately. Even though I think there were two other comics there at the time saying, it's not exactly it, and you haven't seen it. I'm like, no, 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 I've never seen him. Um, I've never seen him perform. I then saw the bit and went, fuck, that is close. And yeah, he's okay. done it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost as if he's way better at stand-up than I am. <laughs> and I was just happy. I go, fuck, that's nice that I had a similar thought to that guy. Got to cut it. I don't know why comics would hang on to a bit that they know is similar to somebody else's bit. That Yeah, that I sense? suppose. Well, I, I suppose if, if, if it's someone else's bit that's on a DVD and is, a, yeah. is like a recognisable, yeah. oh, this is that person's stuff. But even then, I think, I mean, yeah, if you've happened upon the same punchline, then yes. But I think if you've got the same subject... Of course. No. No, no, no. That's very different. One of my subjects is about getting married recently. I'd be, I'd be in deep shit and I would lose 20 minutes from the show. <laughs> Actually, a lot of comics have spoken about getting married. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I know, I know. But I mean, more specifically, if you happen upon a similar punchline from a different perspective, oh, yeah. I used to be like, I, I used to be like, I'd get rid of that immediately. And now I feel a bit more like, there it's... There's an awful lot yeah, of people making comedy. For sure. And if you've if you've made your thing, if you're if you are satisfied that it's yours, yeah. the worst the one for me is memory. The worst is the is the idea that I might have seen something and not and not noticed it go in. Yeah. And someone went, But you were at that show and I'd go, Oh, and I just have that zoom in focus out mode of going, Christ, I did see that <laughs> and that's where it came from. And yeah. You know, that that horrible. Do you ever ask I'll ask comics if there's anything close to it's like if I'm working on say, is there, have you heard anything close to this? Just yes. because of that. I think this has come up recently. I'm sure I said this to someone recently. I was skiing. I was doing one of the ski slope gigs at the ski slope gigs. No one calls it. And um, Where, someone, in France or the uh, French in, one? Yeah, the French middle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was saying to someone as we were skiing, uh, we were having a little chat as we gently skied down. And uh, they said, because you've got a good memory, haven't you? And I went, no, God, no. I've got the memory of a goldfish. I used to have a goldfish. And I went, that is a demon one-liner. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, you know, whenever you fall upon something like that, you basically text Gary Delaney or Milton okay. or someone and go, is this, you know. And um, and uh, I was in the process. I pulled over at the side of the, <laughs> the, side of the ski slope to text Gary Delaney. And as I was looking for his name on his phone, I suddenly went, it is a Gary Delaney joke. I've remembered it now. He does it with an elephant. I've got the memory of an elephant. I used to have an elephant. Yeah. So I did honestly arrive at it separately because I got the memory of a goldfish because I've got a terrible memory. But I literally remembered hearing him say that yeah. joke and went, oh, I didn't arrive at this. It was programmed in the back of my cord. Yeah. Hideous. Yeah. Hideous. And what but if it's that good was thing. the big final callback? At but the isn't that show? nice that you even have that thought? 
Like that to me makes I, me feel good. Yeah, you know, yeah well, yeah. you're a step ahead of a yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. And again, it's those moments that sometimes I'm thinking, what, what's next, what's next? And then you realize, hold on, I'm doing gigs at a ski resort in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is insane. And you are going to, are you ever, do you ever worry that you're going to run out? Do you ever worry that you're going to run out of I used to a lot to more, say, but my wife over the last few years says, you know, this is what happens every time. Um, this time, you know, early on in the year when you're trying to put the show together, what happens if, and she'll always say, it gets better each year. You know what's happening. So now I don't fear it. It's almost fun. It was one of the, um, that is things the person cool. said about anxiety. If you're anxious, the worst thing you can do is try and push it away. It's better to bring it in. Like, come yeah. on, you can only last so long. And that's the same thought I have with the, got to get the new show together. Now it's exciting. It used to be, holy shit, there's 55 minutes to fill, an hour to fill, and there's nothing there yet. Now it's exciting like, oh, fast forward six months, this thing's going to be full. It's going to be even better than last time. How great is that? As long as you put in the work, it'll be better than last time. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to change the my own perspective on how I look at things that would have been problematic in the past. I was really, I was thinking, what a great place to end it. But I actually want to continue <laughs> with that, that thought just a little step longer. And it's something I do about if I'm nervous before a gig, I try to remind myself, this isn't nervousness, it's excitement. You know, to yeah. try and convert yeah, it right. mentally, to do that little mental picture of just going, and I, it never even occurred to me to do that with anxiety. Yeah. Like, this isn't anxiety, it's excitement. And I do feel like with this year's show, my my forthcoming Edinburgh show, which yeah. is, you know, not in comparable shape to yours, given that I'm doing last year's show here. It's in the reverse. It's what yeah. I say, though, to Sloss. Yeah. When I get to Edinburgh and yeah. Daniel Sloss is working his stuff out and I'm having a great time, Yeah. I understand the flip side. Totally. When he totally. turns up to Melbourne with this show that he's done 85 times, it's like, of course, man, you've done it more. It's great. should be better. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really feeling like this year's Edinburgh show, like it's maybe half of it's there, maybe slightly more than half of it. But you'll do a big run of trials and... I'll do... There's some in there. Yeah. I'm also getting married this year and Excellent. having a stag do weekend. A right. Do, and Fuck I'm also... 20 minutes. Parenting. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I've been trying not to do that. Um, but uh, I'm also doing... There's a lot of weekends. I've got a big birthday coming up and I've also got a parent for an entire weekend while my partner goes on her hen party. So I'm like, oh, that's four huge non-earning weekends. That's going to be a lot less... Cocking about previewing to no one and getting your shit together. Yeah, and, of course, and, they'll pro- and it'll probably be, there's obviously moments in there that are going to be super fun and moments that are really hard. But at the end of that, you've got a whole well of experiences. Some are really fun, some are really hard. Yeah. That's how I put my whole thing together. At the time, I'm freaking out. I've, I've got to get married. How, how am I going to do this while writing a yeah. show? Then you get married and you go, oh, I'm so glad I enjoyed that. Like my dad called me two weeks before the wedding or a week and a half before the wedding. He said, I saw you the other day. You were just very stressed about trying to get this show together. Mate, you're going to do heaps of shows. You get married once. Stop doing shows for the next 10 days. Forget about it. Enjoy the lead up to this awesome day. And I did. And it was the best move I ever made. Then afterwards, I'm relaxed. And on the honeymoon, the last two days, itching to get back to do stand-up. Like, landed 3 p.m., 
went home, had a shower, off to a show. I've got all this stuff to talk about. Let's talk about it. You know. Thanks, man. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having me, mate. It's great. So that was Nick Cody. A joy to talk to him. His warmth, his charisma just fill the room. And uh, not just when you're chatting to him, but they fill the room on stage as well. But he has got some big, crunchy, punchy bits of stand-up. He's not just one of those kind of uh, glad-handing charisma guys. He's a very fine comedian. Check out his clip on Conan that we were talking about there. And also do come and see him. Have a, have a little Google of him on the old edfringe.com website. Find out where you can see Nick this August. That's all for now. Thank you to Daryl. Congratulations, Daryl, on your embargoed good news. But um, I'm pleased to report that Daryl's good news will not be taking him away from this podcast. He will remain our slave. Thank you to Nathan Wood, previous podcast editor, and uh, who's been helping me put together a little project as well. Uh, thank you to Tom Friend and all the guys who've been printing all the T-shirts. Thank you to you if you've ordered a T-shirt or if you've supported the show or emailed me or done anything else to get in contact Put a little iTunes review on uh, on iTunes in whatever country you're in, uh, and generally supported this podcast. I, I promised you Ivan Aristegeta this year and uh, this this episode, and I'm, I've bumped him to next episode because Nick's going to be at the, the fringe and, and Ivan isn't. So uh, I I cannot wait to bring you that one. Also, we'll have uh, W Kamal Bell. Uh, he's going to be. I cannot wait to talk to him. So we'll have a bunch of Montreal ones to come out at the beginning of the festival, and also. Andy Daly. I, I, you know, I never like to tell you about people in advance unless they're in the can in case something goes wrong. But this is in the diary. I cannot wait to bring you a conversation with Andy Daly. He is just one of the finest live and improvised and written and beautifully put together. All of his download Nine Sweaters now. Buy his album online. It's called Nine Sweaters. It's superb. That is it for now i'll give you a quick chat a little post amble uh, in a moment if you care to stick around but for now that concludes the podcast so much to do at the moment guys it's going to be a tiny tiny chat here all i wanted to say was i'm trying to practice what i preach i got reviewed uh at a preview yesterday it wasn't my favourite preview. The environment was a bit weird. It was a preview in a comedy club where I thought that the audience were all expecting previews, but they were expecting a comedy show. And in the beginning, when I asked them, hey, you know what, this is right, not enough of them said, yeah, for me to have just launched Cold into the preview. I should have clocked it earlier. I should have changed gear, done some comparing for five minutes, dropped five minutes of the show, and then gone into it. That would have been appropriate. On the other hand, maybe it was the right decision to stick to my guns. Either way... It wasn't my best one, and I bloody knew there was a reviewer in. This is not standard. Occasionally, people will come to see you if you, you know, not not uh, not without asking, but people will come to see you ahead of the Edinburgh Festival if you're confident your show is ready, which I am. I'm in love with this year's show, and uh, and then that means that with a bit of luck, you hit the ground running with a good review. Well, we gambled. Did we pull it off? Who knows? I I just want to, I just want to reaffirm to you that I want to practice what I preach. I know the reviews aren't for me. They shouldn't feature in my mind at all. I never want to know when the reviewers are in. They're not for me. I'm not going to read it. I don't care what it says. Obviously, it can be useful. And still, even trying to stand outside of this whole review process to go, look, they're for the audience, not for us. As comedians, they're not for me. I'm outside of it. I don't read anyone's now. I don't read any reviews ever. But they are, they, are, they are part of the process. I still invite people to come and review the show, even if I'm not planning to read it. I still want to be able to do the show to as many people as possible, and they are part of that equation. 
a necessary part, who knows, but definitely at the moment they are tangibly a part of that equation. And I want to apologise to you and to all the guests in the past to whom I've said, hey guys, reviews mean nothing. Look, I'm trying, I'm hoping for them to mean nothing, but I did lock up a little bit because I knew someone was in and I'm not proud of it. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I just, I feel I've got to confess to you that I locked up a little bit and I'm not proud of that. And I try not to care and I still slightly care. And it's like that thing of do the show, don't think about the money. And in the part of your back of your mind, part of you thinking of mouths to feed, I'm slightly thinking about the money. But it's it's a commitment. I'm reaffirming it to you. Oh, speaking of mouths to feed, there's the boot trust kicking off uh, in the background there. He's squarely in bed and should be asleep. I'm going to have to go and deal with that. <laughs> so that'll do for now. Uh, more stuff coming at you soon. I'll see you guys in Edinburgh, and I hope to see some of you walking around. If you if you got yourself, all right, uh, if you got yourself one of these Thanks Man t-shirts, wear it. Tweet me a picture at ComComPod of you wearing that t-shirt, and I'll retweet them. I'll speak to you soon. Coming, Boutros! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.